If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read from verse 11. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Share a few thoughts in these few scriptures tonight, and then pray just at the end that the Lord would move uh, by His Spirit tonight. Just in this very room, I, I believe just that the Lord would desire to intervene in some heart tonight, some life in this place tonight, desperate for an intervention of the Lord desperate for an intervention in their life. Uh, I don't know what that life is or what it's about, but I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus knows every person in this room, knows every life that's here, knows how desperate that life is for an intervention of the Lord. We serve a living God, a miracle-working God, and He's here tonight by His Spirit. And if you're here tonight and you're desperate for an intervention of the Lord, then I believe that God will meet you at the point of your need and intervene in your life this night because he is a wonderful Savior and he is a faithful God and he's the same yesterday today. The God that we're going to read about in these few verses here is alive today and he works in lives, changes lives by his power. And if you're here tonight, just to say just a few simple things tonight we'll look at, but if you're in this room tonight and you're here, you're desperate in your life, and your heart, desperate for an intervention of the Lord. I believe God wants to meet with you tonight. If you open your heart sincerely before him, allow him to work, to believe his word, and act with faith upon his word tonight, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God tonight is going to meet with you. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift every life in this room before you tonight. Lord, you know every heart, every life, every individual. Lord, tonight, I give you thanks, Lord, that you know all things. We thank you, Lord, there's nothing hidden from you. But we thank you that you're a God that's moved. Thank you, Lord, you're a God that, Lord, is not a God of stone or a God of wood, but you're a living God. We thank you, Lord, that you're touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would move in this little gathering of your people. Lord, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would intervene in hearts and lives tonight. Oh, Father, we just ask that God would come down. And, Lord, that you would visit this house. Lord, Lord, we believe tonight, Lord. Lord, that there are those, Lord, that are right on the edge. Those, Lord, that, oh, God, tonight, Lord, that, oh, God, can't take any more. Oh, God, tonight we pray in the name of Jesus that you would intervene by your supernatural power, that you would move tonight in this room. Lord, give us faith to believe in our hearts. Give us the humility, Lord, even to bow before you and say, and cry on to you, Lord, help me. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're a God that hears and answers prayer. So, Lord, just anoint your word, these few words. But, oh God, more than anything, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would come, breathe upon the pages, speak into hearts, open eyes, and stop deaf and ears, soften hearts tonight in this room. Lord, draw by your great love. Draw men and women to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Came to pass the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, Weep not. 
And he came and he touched the bar, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came fear, came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God has visited his people. We'll end the reading of God's word there, that God has visited his people. Oh, for a visitation of God tonight, a visitation of God in this we gathering tonight. You know, I, I just meditated, just very simply, I've been meditating on this woman for the past few mornings. I got up, she's been much in my thoughts, reading over these few verses, a well-known story in the Bible, and I but just meditated on this woman, this village, this this life, this family, this home. And we see here and read in the, in the account that the scripture gives us that the tragedy of this life the absolute brokenness, the despair that must have been in that home. We know she was a widow, so her husband had, had already died and had passed away. And so her only son that we're told here, the only son that she had, in many respects, everything of that life as much as she loved him, but for that whole home she was trusting that this boy would be the breadwinner for that, for that house. She would be looking and longing and the brokenness of her own life and losing her husband, who was in those times the breadwinner for the home. But now he's gone, and this son was everything of what she hoped in, that he would be the one that would grow to be a young man, and that he would go out and he would work, and he would bring in what they needed to order to survive. But then tragedy was to strike this home again. The Bible doesn't tell us what this young man died of, but we simply know that he died. And here we see in this brokenness, this woman, like, you know, I just thought about that town, that city, probably the word spread quickly in those times, the closeness of those communities, that the word is spread quickly, that the woman, you know, remember the woman who lost her husband? Have you heard the news? Have you heard the tragedy of what has taken place in her life? Her son, her only son that she had, now he has also died. And you can understand in the natural that the whole city was moved with a certain amount of sympathy for this woman. And you can see her in this morning as she arose, probably didn't sleep much through that night, but arose. This was the day that she would just follow that path again out the city of Nain, out the village gates, out the city gates. She would head towards where that graveyard was. You know, uh, just in the study that I had done that, uh, ruins of that city are still there today. And across, it's about six miles south of Nazareth. But out of that city, as you would come out of the city gates, the tombstones were in the mountainside. So she'd, she'd come down this path before. And now we see her coming again as the village gather around her little home. And as the men come to, to lift up her son and to start to walk through the streets of that city, the tragedy as this woman began to break under the weight of the loss of not only her, her, her own husband, now it's, it's her boy that's gone, the, the breadwinner for the home, the sense of the rest of her life as a widow in, in brokenness and in poverty was, was crushing her, but more than anything, the great sense of loss. And as the great crowds began to gather because there's natural sympathy, could, could you imagine it? 
that a woman would lose her husband, then she would lose her only son. And so the whole city become and gather around this little this little house as this woman is brought out, and the son who's dead is on the bar, and they begin to make their way out of that city, out of that city gate towards those tombstones that are still there to this day, out of that city towards those tombstones in the mountainside. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God that not by accident or by chance, but at this very moment in time, there was a man that would stand literally between the dead and the living. And we see as the Lord is standing watching this cortege with all the commotion and the great crowd and the people that had followed him, there must have been so many people. But we see as this funeral cortege comes that Christ is standing watching. And he sees this woman at the front of this cortege as she's being brought along. But you can see the tears and the brokenness and the wailing and the weeping and the professional wailers that would come at that time of death. And we see all that goes along with this whole aspect of death, separation, brokenness, hurt. And as the Lord stands there, the Bible simply says that the Lord saw her you know, there's a crowd in this meeting tonight. There was a crowd that day. But you know, God doesn't see crowds. He sees people. He sees individuals. He sees you. He sees me. There's a crowd here. We'll see a crowd. I see a crowd. But you know what God sees tonight? God sees every person in this room individually. He knows every heart, every life, every thought. God knows everything about every person in this room. He knows those that are desperate, those that are at the edge, those that are at the point of breaking, those that can't take any more, those that can't go another day, those that have woke this morning and have left the house and perhaps you've gone to church both services or whatever you've done today, but you've come to the point that you cannot take any more. Can I tell you, friend, I mean this sincerely and it's absolutely true, that God has seen you. God actually sees us. He's a real God. He's a living God. He's a God that is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. God knows how much we can take. We see this woman at the point of brokenness. Someone here tonight, maybe a man or maybe a woman, maybe an older person, maybe a younger person, regardless of what the outward looks like, regardless of what we, how we dress ourselves and how we present ourselves. But in that life and in that heart and in the depth of that being, there was this cry in this woman, can I take any more? Can I take any more? Can I cope with any more stress, any more pressure? And friends, we're living in a day of great pressure. Pressure on homes, pressure on families, pressure on marriages, pressure on young people, pressure on older people. There's great pressing. Maybe someone here tonight and you can identify with that. It's not easy. It's difficult days. It's hard. Mums and dads raising kids, financial pressures, mice to feed. The pressures of life, the busyness of life. It's not easy, brothers and sisters. It's not easy for anyone. So the pressure was on. Maybe someone here tonight is just a torment of life, torment in mind, fear, fear, grip of fear, grip of torment, 
grip with struggles, not knowing where to turn or who to turn to. Having tried so many things, but there's this sense that there's no hope or it's become hopeless. That who understands where I am or what I'm going through? Does somebody understand where I am? Can I tell you something tonight? Maybe I don't and possibly nobody in this church does. But there is one tonight that understands everything about you. His name's Jesus. You know, I just love the words when you read it. When the Lord saw her. There's a whole multitude there's all these people that are gathered together. There's people coming after. There's friends. There's neighbors. Thank God for all of those things. But when the Lord saw her, individual, God seen her. God seen this woman. Jesus is standing and he sees amongst all of that multitude. He's simply seen her. You know what I love about this? The next few words show us everything about the God that we serve. It says, not only did he see her, but look at the next few words. He had compassion on her. You know, we have a God that is moved with compassion. Do you understand that tonight? Maybe you don't grasp that, but this is one of the wonderful truths of the God that we serve. This God that we serve is a God that is moved when he sees lives that are broken, when he sees lives that are desperate, when he sees people that are at the end, at the end of it, when people can't go on, when people are desperate and they begin to weep and cry unto the Lord. You know, we serve a God who's moved by that. He's a real God. He's a living God. He's moved. It says he had compassion. That word compassion is a powerful, deep feeling right in the heart of Father God. And you'll find that much of the great interaction and miracles that take place in the Gospels are, are often begin with, when he saw the multitude, he had what? Compassion. There was in the very heart, and in the very heart of God tonight in this room, beyond the outward of what is you're looking at or what I'm looking at, but right into the very heart of an individual, young person or older person. Let me tell you something tonight. If you're at the point of desperation, you're at the point at the very edge of life, can I tell you something? This God that we serve, Jesus Christ, he's moved by compassion for you. For you. Not just for the crowd. Not just for those at the back or those at the front, but actually he's moved by deep feeling towards you. He cares for you. He died for you. He loves you tonight. God is moved with compassion for your life. It's a deep affection. It simply means that he has tender mercy toward us. The Bible tells us that the Lord is very pitiful and he is of tender Mercy. The mercy of God. God wants to move in your life. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your life from the inside out. He sees the emptiness, the brokenness, the despair, not knowing where to turn. No purpose. Just living that life, trying to get through life. Just day in and day out. The mundane, the emptiness, the void, the hopelessness, the torment. No peace. 
And yet God sees that and he's moved with compassion towards you. This is the God that we serve. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God moved from the glories of heaven. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's compassion. So we see this compassion of the Lord. No, is it not a day? Surely Christians in this room tonight that the church needs to move with the same compassion. Is it not true? Is, it, is, is this land not filled with religion largely? Not totally. Is it just not filled with religion activity and all the outward workings of man? But truly the very heart of the Father is that the church would know the heart of God and the church again are moved with compassion. Compassion for a lost world. Compassion for people that are broken. Compassion for the lonely, the rejected. Compassion for the, for the drug addict, the prostitute, the hopeless, the abandoned, the widow, the poor. This is true religion. To be moved with the heart of God. Thank God that this was an intervention. And I, I want to very simply tonight just put this to you. There's someone here. Someone's here tonight. I do believe it in my spirit. And, and meditating over these few days. I know it's simple, but it is simple. But someone is in this meeting. Some ones are in this meeting. And truly, you need an intervention of the Lord in your life. You need an intervention of God. Jesus was about to intervene in a broken life. Are you glad that he intervenes in broken lives? Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful? That Jesus intervenes in broken lives. You know, those that are Sick need a doctor, but those that are well don't. Jesus said it's those that are broken, those that are sinners, those that know they need a Savior, those they know they need God to intervene. If God doesn't intervene, it's hopeless. Tonight I wonder, is there someone here in this meeting? I'm looking at you, I'm, you're looking at me, but on, on the outward, maybe everything looks fine, but right into the depth of that heart, there's a cry in the depth of a heart of someone that says, I need God. And maybe pride has held you back. Maybe your own stubbornness has, has kept the walls up and you won't let anybody in. But tonight, right in the depths of your being, I plead with you. But there's a cry in your heart saying, I need an intervention. I need God. Can I tell you something? God hears the faintest cry. The faintest cry. He comes to this woman. And he says to her, woman, just listen to the words of the Lord, weep not. I mean, he stops that whole funeral cortege going to that. You know, maybe someone just feels this is it. You know, I'm just coming out of the house tonight. I'm going to church, whatever. It's going to be just the same as usual, but I'm just heading for that, that graveyard. I'm just going to go because there's nothing else. There's no point. What's the point of trying? I'm just going for it. This woman had no idea. But the Lord stops this funeral cortege and says, Woman, I want you to stop weeping. Can you imagine the multitude, the crowds coming out of that city? Who is this man? Those that are weeping and wailing all around this woman. And the Lord says, I want you to stop. Here was the resurrection and the life. Standing between the dead and the living. Just like you remember Aaron of old in Numbers chapter 16. We read the story there that Aaron, the high priest, as the 
as the plague was about to be spilled upon the people, what did he do? He ran into the tabernacle. He took the censer. He got the fire of the altar. He got the incense. And he ran right down into the midst of the congregation. And as he stood and the incense went up into heaven, that very plague was stopped. That's a type of Jesus Christ and the cross that he stood in that place for us between the living and the dead. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and he's the life. Tonight you need an intervention. You need God to step in just like Aaron stepped into the midst. You need Jesus to step into your life. You need Jesus to step into your home, into your marriage, into your circumstance. We need God tonight. It's when men get desperate. It's when men and women get desperate for God that God's moved and God comes down. It's when men and women truly begin to cry out to God, God, we need a visitation. We need you to come. It's desperate. Then God moves. You know, I listened to a testimony a few months ago. I don't know whether maybe some of you have seen the movie. It's called Breakthrough. It's on a testimony of a young boy over in America fell through the ice. It's a true story. Out with his three friends in the ice, mucking about. They were going to church and doing those things. And there was trouble in the marriage. The wee boy had been adopted from South America. And and so they were out in the ice. And this boy falls through the ice. Something like 25, 30 minutes onto the ice. The rescuers came. They get in. But one rescuer wasn't saved. But he's standing and he's trying to fish and find this body that's been under there. The three of them went under. One never come up. But he's trying to find his body. Here's a voice saying, go back, go back. This man is not saying, go back. And he went back and they put a hook on this young boy and they pulled this young boy up out of that river. 20 minutes or 25 minutes, he's been down, plunged underneath that freezing cold water. They trailed that, that boy in that lifeless body. They worked on him the whole way, the whole way to the hospital. They kept working and working and working. They got inside and they worked and they worked and they worked and they worked. And they said, keep working. There's no pulse. There's no life. There's nothing. But keep doing it till his mother comes. Just keep doing it that they can see that we've done everything that we can for this boy. And that mother comes running down that, that hospital corridor. And they say, we'll leave you just for a moment. And they tell everyone to stop and all the staff and all, thank God, and they all leave that room. Now mother goes into that room and there's that boy lying, her son, this adopted boy lying on that bed. And there was a cry come out of that hospital room. A cry went down those corridors saying, God, no. Put life into my son. Put life into him. And suddenly that machine Begins to start, boop, 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 boop. And young man is studying to go into the ministry today. But you know, there was a cry. There was a cry. It was a desperate cry. This is real. This is real tonight. This is death. This is life. This is an intervention. I believe this tonight when I'm preaching this. I feel it in my spirit. This is real. There has to be an intervention this is the dead and the living. Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, praise the Lord, yet shall he live. God makes dead men live spiritually. That's the most important thing tonight. God makes dead men alive. Because we're all born in sin, dead. Dead. 
It's the mighty power of the resurrection, the power of Jesus to change a life, to change its destiny, to change its direction, to change its purpose, to change everything about that life through the power of the new birth. It's the mighty power of the resurrection to change your life tonight. Jesus Christ your answer. But I know that. I come to church every week. I hear all that's said. But you know, brothers and sisters, sometimes we need to get desperate. Sometimes we need to get desperate. A visitation of the Lord. You know, when that young boy was raised up and given back to his mother, can you see her? I don't have to go down this path. I've been down this path with my husband, but I don't have to go. Can you see that woman walking back into that city? Her son that was dead is now alive. Can you see the rejoicing as they walk down that path back to that home? I mean, you can imagine what it's like. You know what moms are like with their sons and the hugging and the kissing and the rejoicing, getting back into that house. My son who was dead, praise the Lord, he's alive because there was an intervention of Almighty God. An intervention. You know, when Moses walked into Egypt with iron, a visitation of God was, was what needed. It was absolutely desperate. You know, they said Israel understood something. That when things happened like this, you know what they began to talk? You know, there's a great prophet among us. Then they said, they understood this. God has visited his people. When dead men live, that's a visitation of God. When dead men live, when dead men are born again of the spirit of the living God, that is a visitation of the holy God. You remember this term, the visitation of the Lord. Moses and Aaron went into Egypt. God met with a man at the back of the desert. Here was a man that was 80 years old. We know this story. A desperate life in some way, a failure. It turned and run from God. He, he tried to fix it or do it his way. And then we know that he murdered and then he was in exile. He was, he was just a loner out in the desert. Maybe someone's come in tonight and you come in from the desert. What Moses really needed was a meeting with the Lord and a meeting with the Lord he had at that burning bush. But you know, God began to speak to him of his purpose and what he wanted to do. You know what God said? Listen, Moses, you know, I've heard the groanings of my people. Nobody else in this planet heard their groanings, but I tell you who heard them, God heard them. And maybe no one else has heard your cry. Or maybe no one else understands your cry. But can I tell you again, friend tonight in this room, God has heard your cry. I've seen, Moses, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've seen what they're going through. I've seen their turmoil. I've seen their bondage. I've seen the trials. I've seen all the spiritual wickedness that's come against. I've seen it. Moses, I've seen it. That's what God said. Nobody else seen it, but I've seen it. Now, Moses, I want you to tell, them, tell you something. I've come down, and I'm going to deliver my people. Because I've seen it, I've heard it, and I'm coming to deliver them. Now, what I want you to do, Moses, I want you to go in, and I want you to tell the elders of, of Israel that are in Egypt, the Hebrew elders, I want you to tell them I'm coming to deliver my people. 400 years of slavery and bondage. It's impossible. can't happen. Moses is saying, Lord, I can't even speak. I'll give you iron, but you're going to go in. 
Bible tells us that Moses and Aaron went to gather together the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron speak all the words. Look at what happened. Now, I want you to hear this because this is important. Aaron speak all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Do you know what he did? Do you know what's so important tonight? The preaching of God's word. That if you're going to act in obedience to God tonight, you're going to act not on the basis of what you feel, but you're going to act on the basis of what God says. That's obedience. And they rehearsed in the ears of the elders everything of what the Lord had spoken to Moses. Not only that, it says, and they did signs in the sight of the people. And when they rehearsed what God had said, and they did the signs of what God had instructed them to do, do you know what happened? The people, here's a very important thing tonight in this room. You're desperate, and you truly want an intervention. You really need to listen carefully here. And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. They acted in faith, believing in the word of the Lord, that he had looked upon their affliction, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped. What happened? I believe it's just a type. Aaron preached the gospel to the elders that were in Egypt, and they delivered the signs that God had given them to deliver, and the people responded, we will believe the word of the Lord. We will believe what God says. The word of the Lord has the ability to do something tonight that nobody else can do. Nobody else. It's imperative to know that the Holy Ghost will operate on the basis of faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. On no other level will God move unless there's faith in Jesus Christ. That must mean tonight that we believe and we act upon his word. We see a unique interaction. Because this, this is why some remain in a place of, of torment. We see an amazing interaction in John chapter 8 between the Lord and some Pharisees. I want you to turn to it for a few moments. We'll be finished in a minute. John chapter 8. And we know some of these verses are so familiar. And as he spake these words, John 8 and 30, many believed in him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32, what does it say? And ye shall know the truth. That's the word. And what happens when you know the truth? The truth, what does it do? It sets you free. I want to ask you tonight, are you free? Praise the Lord, are you free? We sung about it tonight. Are you free in Jesus Christ? In verse 36, what does it say? If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be what? Liberated. Free indeed. That's what Jesus does in the life. He sets you free. Verse 37, then there's these Pharisees who weren't believers, but they said, well, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word, look what happens, my word has no place in you. My word's not finding a place in your heart. You know, I'm, I'm just like other men here. I'm just a preacher of the gospel. I have no ability to change a life in this room. I know the gospel has the power to change a life. I know the word of God has the ability to change a life. But I can't create an anxious thought, the Bible says. He says, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but my word 
has no place in you. They say, but we're Abraham is our father. In other words, they were saying, but you know, we're we know this. We have a heritage. We we have, you know, we have a heritage of our fathers, our, our grandfathers, and so forth. Well, they were all, they were all of the faith, and that's us. We're the same. We, we're, we're religious people. We know everything about this. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham. In other words, Abraham was the father of the faith. They operated on the basis of faith. Faith in God's word. Verse 43 says, why do you not understand my speech? Here's such something that's so important. Even because you cannot hear my word. I think that's one of the most tragic things that you can read. You cannot hear the word of the Lord. You're here tonight and you're hearing the voice of God. You're hearing the word of God. You're hearing the truth of God. The Bible says the truth makes you free. You're responding in your heart. There is an awakening in your life. You're saying, I know that this is the truth, that this is the word of God, that this is a word for me. This is from heaven. This is God. This is not from Tim McElrath, but this is God speaking to me. I know where I am. I know how close I am to the edge. I know I need an intervention of God. God is speaking. Do you know that's a wonderful thing to know that God is speaking, to hear his speaking voice. How many people know God speaks? He's a great shepherd. Someone prayed it tonight that you would hear the still small voice of God whispering into your heart. Broken and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. All you that labor and are heavy laden, come to me, I'll give you rest. The voice of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? The word of the Lord. Oh, we know all this, Tim. That's what the Pharisees were saying. But we have our Father. We have all this. But they're not hearing the word any longer. It's not quickened in their spirit. The word that will set them free. The truth that comes to make us free. They knew all of this. Well, we have Abraham, our Father. We have our, all our religious things. Tick box. All off. We know it all. But they couldn't hear his voice. His word had no place in them. You know, when you just step out in faith, faith in God, faith in his word, just saying tonight, you know, I've had enough of that life. I'm turning from that despair, that despondency. I'm turning. Maybe tonight you're not saved. You're sitting here and you want to turn from the life that you're living of sin, wreck and ruin. You're saying, I am so sorry for the life that I've lived, but I want to leave that life. I want to come to Jesus tonight. This is what the Bible says. Jesus said, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Listen to what God does. This little bit of faith in Jesus shifts mountains. Think about it. Just a little faith. Not humongous faith. Not great faith. But just tonight a quickening ray in that heart. The word of the Lord and you put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight, the Bible says, and nothing shall be impossible to you. A measure of faith. Do you know, in this church tonight, if you're saved, the Bible tells us that through the grace that is given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt 
to every man a measure, just a measure of faith. Every Christian has a measure of faith. If the church operated and moved on that measure of faith collectively, can you imagine what would happen? If we really did, the Lord has visited his people. Jesus intervened in a life was filled with despair, hopeless. Death had visited twice. The despondency, the despair. Thank God for Jesus Christ who intervened in that life. Someone here tonight, genuinely, sincerely, you've come to the end. You're at the point. It's a desperate place that you've come to. I thank God that God specializes in desperate places. You're in this room, whether you're young, old, male or female, visiting, or you come every week, every meeting. I want to tell you tonight, believe this, God wants to intervene in a life tonight. The desperate cry of this woman was long heard before Jesus met her on that road because he's the Almighty and he knows everything. This was no coincidence. This was the divine purpose of God. You're in this room tonight. I know it's often said. People think it's a cliche. I don't believe it at all. You're here tonight by divine appointment of Almighty God. And in your heart of your desperate, you need an intervention. I tell you the good news here tonight is that this God is still moved with compassion, still moved at the cry of a people, still comes down and visits his people, still sets the prisoner free, still brings a mighty deliverance. His name is Jesus. Let's pray together tonight.